Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Happy 4th of July, Craig. Happy Independence Day to you as well, Todd. (laughs) This might be the first time we've ever celebrated independence on this show. Such is our patriotism. (laughs) no it's it's honestly just our absent-mindedness we uh i think like sometimes holidays just come and go and we're like oh man we should have done an episode and we just didn't (laughs) yeah it's true like my birthday every year someday we're gonna do happy birthday to you i don't think we've ever done father's day like Screw you, dads. Nobody cares. Wow. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, this time around, we're paying tribute to America with 1996's Uncle Sam, a movie I had not known about, heard about, anything. I can't believe you found it. I vaguely recall seeing it on the shelves at the video store. Vaguely. Because I think, if I remember correctly... Much like Jack Frost, another holiday-themed movie, I think this had one of those holographic um, box covers. covers. So, like, his face would look kind of normal, but then if you looked at it, you know, you move your face, look at it from a different angle, it, like, transformed into a demon-y monster kind of thing or something like that. So I vaguely remember it, but I also remember at the time thinking that it looked really cheesy and like just surely it will be awful. So yeah. <laughs> I never watched it. I, I had never seen it before. Much like Jack Frost, I had I probably looked right over it. I'm looking at the cover now and it almost looks like a carbon copy of the Jack Frost cover. They just took the Jack Frost ghost and put a some fireworks behind him and like a <laughs> top hat on. I mean, it's kind of doesn't look at all like the otherwise awesome makeup that the character has in the movie when you can see yeah. it anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that's it, man. I hadn't seen this before, but it's a straight to video release. But you found it, I guess, on streaming services and thought we should do it. Is that? Mm, well, it was my turn to pick, and uh, I was really struggling because there are several movies that I really want to do like right now, and so I was I was dragging my feet on picking something. And then I thought, wait, if we're gonna do an Independence Day episode, it's got to be this weekend. Mm. So that's what I texted you, and and you're like, yeah, let's do it. So I just Googled Independence Day or Fourth of July horror movies, and I found a list. Uh, Really? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, Some of them were like tangentially related like doesn't even really happen on the 4th of July but there's fireworks so (laughs) 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 but there were several that legitimately either featured heavily uh, the 4th of July or were specifically uh, set on that day or or something and this is one of them there were there were two from the Hulu Into the Dark series which is all holiday themed but they sounded a little more serious and this one sounded a little more fun so ultimately this is the one I picked and I think I'm glad I did yeah this was was pretty fun well you know you perked my interest right away as soon as I pulled it up and I saw that the writer was Larry Cohen. Right. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You know. Well, we like... Uh, we've done some fun Larry Cohen things. Larry totally. Cohen, I think... We talked about him a lot on previous episodes. I think probably mostly on the It Lives mm-hmm. episode, right? Or It's Alive or whatever. I don't it's know. Alive, yeah. That's yeah. right, about the baby who's born. is kind of nuts. He died a few years ago, and he was just universally loved by everyone. And he has written so much. They said... 
I, th- I remember seeing a documentary about him just sort of celebrating his life and his family was talking about he just loved nothing more than writing. He just came up with these crazy wild concepts. I think our tribute episode to him was The Stuff, if I remember correctly. I don't remember, but that was a great episode. Well, I don't yeah. remember the episode, but that was a fun movie to talk about. It was. He Just very high concept, really silly stuff a lot of times. But... um in, in, in their own way, kind of clever. And many of the movies that he's done, in fact, had strong twinges of social commentary to them. Yeah. Without being too serious. And this movie, obviously, the same. Yeah. <laughs> Very heavy-handed in, in many respects. You, uh, you kind of have to laugh and chuckle at the whole thing, because I don't think anything in this movie is meant to be taken seriously. And yet he still managed to slip some kind of, like, social commentary into it, which was kind of funny. And then the director, William Lustig probably best known for Maniac, the original. Yeah. Did Maniac Cop later, and I guess got his start on hardcore film sets. I, he's one of these guys who just grew up in the Bronx in, during the 50s and 60s, remember, went to these grindhouse exploitation theaters, kind of fell in love with that, wanted to jump in the industry, and then, you know, in the early 70s, got into the industry like uh, quite a few of these folks did, kind of in the golden age of porn and, and being in the background directing a couple hardcore shoots before his breakout thing with Maniac. And then did a couple movies uh, after that. Uh, right now, he's more of a producer than a director. Again, just producing a lot of straight-to-video, exploitation fare, horror stuff. It's kind of random, actually. He just seems to be probably pretty good at making money. Way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, honestly, I didn't recognize the names. when I. Uh, that's not why I picked it. But um, when I was reading audience reviews, uh, as I tend to do to see if I even want to waste my time with something a lot of people mentioned specifically you know coming from these guys you know there you you have certain expectations and whatnot the the audience reviews that i read were really mixed Mm. there were some people who said it's you know it's it's not as good as their other stuff and other people were like ah don't be so hard on it it's it's fun just give it a shot um and i think that i'm gonna land in that latter camp is this a great movie absolutely not no way did i (laughs) when it was over did i have a smile on my face yes i did (laughs) (laughs) i know it was just fun i mean you know right away what kind of movie you're getting into and then you're not really that disappointed but there's so many stars in this film so many a a couple a lists some b list it's just had i just scratch my head wondering how these people, Isaac Hayes, maybe he just needed a paycheck at this a, time. A, a check's a check, was, yeah. Was he doing stuff? <laughs> was he doing South Park at this time? I can't remember. I think, I think so. A few years. I don't before remember this. when South yeah. Park started. It was somewhere in the early '90s, yeah, mid '90s, I think, like '93, '94. This is '96. Yeah, I think he was doing South Park for a few years before this. Yeah, he did it for a long time. Uh, but that's I was. He, you're right, and uh, I didn't know a lot of these people. I I. I pulled up a couple of their imdb pages most of them have dozens if not hundreds of credits yeah i didn't recognize many of them i recognized isaac hayes and i recognized pj souls yeah because she was in carrie and and carrie 2 and halloween many other things she was the girl at the nude scene in halloween i guess she did the devil's rejects too didn't she i don't remember she she's i mean she still pops up uh i think but I was just, and and 
of course, when we get into the plot, which we'll need to do, um, I just apparently, <laughs> as I was watching this movie, uh, decided that I needed to write the novelization of it because I have so <laughs> many notes. Me too. I have like three pages of notes here. Oh my God. Just so m- much happens. <laughs> I know. It's not disappointing at all. It's, it's, uh, and, and everything I wanted to happen happened too. This is another one of those movies. I can't remember. Maybe it was one, one of the Halloween movies we were doing. Not Halloween like Michael Myers, but like one of our Halloween right, right. movies where it's just like when you're seeing a movie that takes place during Halloween, you want it to check a bunch of boxes and it, take as much of the holiday as you can. And all of the tropes and all those things and just find all the crazy, wacky ways you can take it. And I feel like they just made a laundry list of Fourth of July. Okay, let's see. Uh, Fourth of July fireworks, Uncle Sam, Sam. uh, barbecues, um, school performances, you know, Abe Lincoln. (laughs) Like, just just made this long-ass list of shit that happens during the Fourth of July. And I'll be damned if they didn't manage to cram every little bit of it into this film in a significant way. (laughs) I think that's the thing that I liked the most of it like this guy sat down and said I'm gonna write a 4th of July movie <laughs> like that, that is the most important part of it yes <laughs> I will come up with some killer like it does, it's just a slasher movie yeah. but well zombie slasher <laughs> it's zombie slasher but it's so heavily themed and I really like that it's fun Yes, 100%. 100%. Well, the movie's a little dated. I think it starts off in Kuwait, June 14th, where there's some helicopter crash, and big sergeant who comes out and asks this guy to go and take care of the bodies or check out the wreckage. And one of the downed pilots, who appears dead, suddenly wakes up, smashes the guy's face or something, and then shoots the sergeant through the other guy's body, which was totally unnecessary, but a nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, makes a crack about friendly fire because uh, it was friendly fire that had downed this helicopter and the private or whatever who was kind of checking out made that comment and the general was almost dismissive about it. Just like, hey, it's all right. You know, this happens during war. Right. Don't let, don't get your panties in a wad about it. Of course, the people who die uh, due to friendly fire probably think differently of it, but uh, yeah. I'm right. <laughs> Right. That's the motivation. That, right. That's where it starts out. And then the uh, opening credits are all over old footage of all this Uncle Sam propaganda. Which was awesome. I know. It was really cool. You know, I don't know when it happened, but I feel like Uncle Sam got phased out, and I, I missed it when it happened. I guess, yeah. You don't really see him anymore, do you? No. Maybe it's more of a wartime thing. I, I honest to God, meant to like do research on the origins of Uncle Sam and stuff, and I have no idea. I forgot. All I know is that Would you he's like this- to know? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yes. I don't think, I think me. it's rather simple. It's all quite hazy. The character supposedly came into use during the War of 1812, may have been named for Samuel Wilson. Nobody really knows for sure. Um, but the first reference to Uncle Sam in literature, not newspapers, was in an 1816 book called The Adventures of, of Uncle Sam. And then I think it just, that 1917 poster 
of him pointing, saying, I want you for the U.S. Army for recruiting. Right. It almost feels like that's, even though before that he was in pop culture, I think he showed up a lot in um, editorial cartoons representing the government. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep. But that just sort of cemented it, I think, there was that poster. And yeah, so it just kind of developed organically through mostly illustrations in, in newspapers and magazines until... Suddenly now, you know, people were dressing up as him. And he's sort of a... Re- I'm trying to f- even figure out what is Uncle Sam, right? There's no real... He's just like a kind of personification of the government. Yeah. As your nice uncle who takes care of you, but can also be stern <laughs> right. and tell you you it's need like, to buck up and do your part. I, I it's like know. the nice version of Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, there you know. go. Yeah, I mean, it's just a patriotic thing. It's it's a, yeah. a symbol. I don't know if young people today would even necessarily recognize that imagery, but I do. I remember seeing it in my history textbooks when I was a kid. But anyway, yeah, so the old patriotic Uncle Sam propaganda. You had said this movie is a little dated. What it do- what this movie does is remind me how old I am. Because mm-hmm. in my head, 1996 was like a few years ago. I know. <laughs> Same here. Same here. I-, I actually had to do the math. I'm like, that was almost 30 years ago. I graduated from high school almost 30 years ago. That is... It, it blows my mind. It's also a little depressing because the first thing that, you know, as I mentioned, they're talking about Kuwait and Operation Desert Storm. My uh-huh. dad served in Operation Desert Shield, uh, which then became Desert Storm. He wasn't in the Middle East. He was actually at a contingency hospital in England, twiddling his thumbs, thankfully, for most of that time. Uh-huh. But it's kind of sad because, like, you you know, if you're going to make this movie today, I was just thinking of all of the conflicts and wars that could be substituted in for that. And this movie would be the same. You know what I mean? It's really mm-hmm. kind of depressing that even though 1996 feels like it was just yesterday, and I remember Operation Desert Storm being such a thing and so important to our family and felt at the time kind of just and, well, I don't know. We didn't really even understand it when I was a kid. But, uh, you know, the social commentary that is in this film, up one side and down the other, I mean, it's it's the same stuff as today. I mean... I, I yeah, but I, I really, gosh, this may get deeper than I expected it to, but I really thought about this because I don't remember. This was pre-9-11. Like, 9-11 changed mm-hmm. everything, and so, and and you were either patriotic or you were... With the enemy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. I don't even remember... What it was like before that, I, I feel like it was just, I don't know, but maybe this movie will be reflective of that, because it was that, that weird period between Vietnam and 9-11, where I think people were kind of questioning the government and the military, and then 9-11 happened, and it's like, no, you will fall in line, you, you know, we are Americans, and we're proud mm-hmm. of it. And knowing that you come from a military family, I will be very interested to hear your take on what <coughs> is said outright. Like it's not like this is yeah. uh it's not like this is, you know, subtle <laughs> deep, stuff. Subtle. <laughs> there aren't layers to unpack here, no. There there's <laughs> this is like, there's a thesis like halfway through the movie. Yeah, and this is like one of those like layered salads that comes in a giant like punch bowl, you know, where you can see it all from the side. You don't have to dig deep to <laughs> see what's there. It's just proudly displayed yeah. up from the top to the bottom through this movie. So yeah. 
All right. Oh, so God. before we get there, though, we have to introduce our main characters. Our main character, I guess, is Jody. He is a little boy um, who is not a very good actor. No. And <laughs> who is also a psychopath. Like <laughs> <laughs> A psychopath in the training. This kid, he is a psychopath. But you don't know that yet when you first meet him. He's just this precocious little boy, and we find out that that dead soldier, the one that like was dead but then wasn't and then was again, uh, weird, don't know, that was his uncle Sam. Yes! Um, <laughs> like, literally his uncle Sam. As soon as that became obvious, I was rolling on the floor. I was like, oh, it's this kind of movie. <laughs> I just thought that was so clever. Like, why not? Like, lots there people oh, yeah. are named Sam. People have an Uncle Sam. Why not? That's hilarious. <laughs> but then he, like, has a dream that Sam isn't dead. And then we jump to another character. Uh, a cop drops off what appears to be his girlfriend, this blonde lady named Louise. He drops her off at home. But then... Lurking on her porch is this older military dude who's like, I have some news. And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Also, Todd, the writing in this movie is so so bad that it is hilarious. Uh, Again, I wrote the novelization because I stopped. (laughs) It probably took me, this is an hour and a half movie. It probably took me two hours to watch it because I kept pausing it and rewinding it to write down the lines Uh not even here but there are so many that i wrote down because they are so funny (laughs) oh god like oh god it does i i don't know how much to talk about because there's so much but we find out that this boy jody is obsessed with his dead uncle and like he's his hero and he carries around his medals in a box and he takes them to school for show and tell and then his teacher you know this fucking liberal teachers like right. feeds them all this bullshit about <laughs> vietnam <laughs> are you trying to rile me up <laughs> <laughs> no like his teachers like I well i grew up during vietnam and um, many people thought that was an unjust war many young people like myself protested the war in fact some people left the country for a while ran away it was a very difficult thing to do, Jody. But you have to understand that those who left the country felt it was a lesser evil than blindly following orders they knew were wrong. My Uncle Sam said you guys were cowards. <laughs> That's right. And then, and then and this kid is such a dick that as soon as he's like, the teacher's like, okay, well, why don't you just go back to your seat then? And we'll change the topic. And he turns around and says, well, I'm not saying you're a dick. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just saying my uncle said it. <laughs> right. I wanted to punch that kid in the face at this point. And then, so then when you, you just see him, I don't even remember when it is. I don't remember if it's when he's at home or just, you know, like later in school or something. But he says, when I grow up, I'm going to go into the army, just like Uncle Sam did. And I'll do everything the president says. Because he knows better. Because he knows the best. <laughs> <laughs> he literally says that word for word. I, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yet, I mean, it sounds especially, well, first of all, it's just stupid. Second of all, it sounds especially stupid as he's muttering it to himself. However, I guarantee you there is probably a kid or two on the schoolyard about that age that I played with who would have said that to me. 
You know? Oh, well, that's because it does what actually we were sound taught like... when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And also, like, uh, again, I'm not going to get too political because we get in trouble if we do. But <laughs> there was there was a time, there was a time in my life when I almost subconsciously would have thought that, like, when you, the president probably really does know what's best. Yeah. <laughs> like, no stuff. <laughs> president does, knows things we don't know that we're not supposed to know and it's probably better that we'd more or less trust that he knows what he's doing yeah oh god yeah at this at this point in my life i'm not as confident let's just put it that way <laughs> yet there are some people around us who are a little too <laughs> so yeah. confident about that enough uh, said hilarious yep. line so yep. funny jesus and they have to send the remains to his aunt's house why, Why his... wouldn't they send them to, like, a mortuary? Well, this is old school, right? It used to be. Really that... old school. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, like, you know, like our grandparents, right? Where Well, I'm you... Irish. I've never been to a wake in somebody's house. Well, but, <laughs> but even in the U.S., I mean, fun fact, like, wakes in people's homes were very, very common up until about the oh, 50s. Oh, I know. And then they were deliberately phased out. It was kind of a trend of modernization and like, let's get all this icky death out of the house. This is why the family, you know, this is what leads to juvenile delinquency and problems like that. The home needs to be a happy place and children need to be protected against death. And that's when the parlor became the living room instead of the death room. Ah, gotcha. Didn't know that. Fun fact. But you're right. Not only is it weird that the body is delivered straight to the house and then just let to be there for the wake in the morning, but why wasn't it delivered to his wife's house? Oh, the aunt says something. Well, first of all, because we never see that set. So (laughs) why would they build build another Another set set. just to stick that (laughs) coffin in? Good (laughs) point. When... Louise comes to her sister Sandy, I think is her Sally, comes to her sister Sally's house and is like, or no, her sister-in-law, excuse me, and says they came and told me he's dead and her sister-in-law, Jody's mom, is like, well, your house is too small. We'll just have it delivered here. Mm. Um, And that's where they're gonna, where they eventually do have the wake. So the remains arrive and like Jody comes in and he's like, oh man, I wanted to help carry the body in. Like, this kid is a fucking psycho. And then he can't wait to get in that coffin. Like, he is just chomping at the bit. He wants oh to get in there because he has all of his Uncle Sam's medals. He's got him in a big military, you know, metal. I don't know what you call it. I should know, but I don't. You know, it's the thing that you store all your stuff in. I know what you're talking in. about, yeah. Uh-huh. We learn almost laughingly piecemeal before it's like, oh, he really idolizes his Uncle Sam. Oh, okay, he reads these military comics that seem to be written with un- his uncle's name in it, or maybe he's just imagining it. I couldn't tell. He's got his medals, and he's talking about him and talking about how great he is, and then later it's like he has a letter that his Uncle Sam wrote specifically to him. Oh my god. <laughs> First of all, as soon as he started saying it, I paused and started typing it out, because I could tell it was just going to be gold. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, this sounds like he's reading it from a letter, or like, or that he has it memorized and then as it turns out he is reading it from a letter from Mm -hmm. his uncle sam Mm -hmm. it's inspired because his mom has a douchey boyfriend who he doesn't like and the douchey boyfriend is a lawyer and he's bragging at the dinner table about how um he cons the government yes (laughs) jody is just 
disgusted. Like, he can't this get kid. out of there fast enough because to cheat the government is so bad. This young kid has very strong opinions about our tax code. Uh, <laughs> so that's one thing. It's funny. It, it's funny. It, it is funny. Gosh, I, I want to get to the line. I'm going to get to it, I promise. But um, he's pissed about that. And then there's the wake. And that's when we meet Isaac Hayes. Yes. I think we got, we, we got, a, we got a shot of him earlier in, like, a seedy apartment above – a deli or something all yeah. like in flashing red light and whatever he's a veteran too and he knew sam and he comes to the wake but he feels guilty because he knows that sam really looked up to him and he told him all these like glory stories uh so he kind of feels responsible for the guy's death but he jed is super interested in him because he's interested in all things military so they go outside together so that jed can show jody his wooden leg Mm -hmm. but then jody starts going on and on and on about how much he loves the military and isaac hayes is like uh don't you dare like (laughs) you are too smart do not join the military and I'm going to go out of order. They have a conversation that's really important and I want to talk about. Yeah. But ultimately, the line that I was getting at is uh, Jody reads this from a letter from his from his uncle. Anybody bad mouths this country, you go right after them, no matter how big they are. People who don't respect the American way of life deserve to have their butts kicked. Stay tough, soldier. Uncle Sam. <laughs> Oh my god! And he is reading it like it oh. is the gospel. Like it he's just yeah. Like he oh, pulls this out and reads it to bed every night. You know. Yes. <laughs> That's how this boy is. Motivates him. It is his philosophy, <laughs> and it totally is. Well, he tells that old guy. You remember um, the 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 old uh, the older jet not general but master sergeant sergeant master yeah, yeah, sergeant yeah. whoever who gives and, and breaks the news uh, to the widow about the death and then comes in and is there at the wake. He says to him, "You really looked up to your uncle Sam, didn't you?" And he says, "Yes, he was the only one around here who did anything important." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that general's a little weird because then he comes out, he leaves the wake, and he shakes hands with the wife. There was this long close-up on how he was shaking hands with her, with both of his hands, maybe just a little too long. But that's the only indication that we really have that he's a creep. Well, until later, there's a whole scene of him talking on the phone to somebody else, talking about how he's going right. to bang but, the widow and his her sister. But what I'm saying is that comes out of nowhere. Suddenly, this guy's out of his suit, and he's he's in a motel drinking whiskey and on the phone, like, laughingly talking about how the whole reason he volunteers for these jobs of breaking the news to widows is because, you know, he's bagged 750 of them so far. Weird. <laughs> it's so shoehorned in. It comes out of nowhere, but I see what the writer is doing and i like it he is setting up a big cast of assholes oh yes so that when they get killed we don't feel bad in fact we celebrate and enjoy the fun of it because they're assholes anyway yeah because because ultimately like this guy's got to have patriotic reasons for killing each person so we have to learn why each person is a scumbag you know particularly disgraceful to to their country and I love the setup because then it is fun. Like mm-hmm. you are, ju- like you revel in seeing these people. Kind, of, I mean, it's not you know literally come up and they don't deserve to die. But in the context of this movie, it's fun and it's funny yeah. and I liked it. But I want to get to this conversation. Okay, so this actually, out of the context of this movie, is a pretty serious commentary, it which is. makes it feel not out of 
place necessarily, but a little bit jarring. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, I don't know if I should be in the Army, Marines, or the Air Force. You get that idea out of your head right now, boy. Things ain't like they used to be when we knew who and what we were fighting for. Hitler and Tojo and, and, and Mussolini. We knew what we had to do and why. Today is all mixed up. Nobody knows the whys and wherefore, Sonny. A smart boy like you ought to know enough to keep out of it. Be a doctor. Save some lives. Forget about killing. Somebody's got to be soldiers. You don't want to get sent back in a box. Maybe it's better than dying in bed. Everybody dies anyway. You know, I don't know. All I know is that I have the utmost respect for the men and women who serve in our our military um, because I have you know taught many young people who have gone on to do that I know that they go in with the noblest of intentions and they are there because they genuinely want to fight for the values and freedoms of our country and I have the utmost respect for that now the intentions of the higher ups that's something I may be question at times but knowing that you are from a military family what's your take well you know it's evolved over time right it just even you know when i was a kid again it felt like a different time all of the conflicts we had been involved in with the exception of vietnam and sort of the embarrassment of Korea up to that point felt like exactly like he's saying, you know what you're fighting for, you know what you're doing. When I was a kid and my dad went off uh, into, you know, Operation Desert Storm and S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, we believed what the government was telling us about how this needed to happen and, and that the war was just and all that. I feel like looking back on it historically, we're a little more skeptical about that now. And as a military kid, it makes me angry. Uh, it makes me angry, the cavalierness with which people, the higher-ups, can, for their own selfish reasons, send people like my parents in to potentially die. Mm-hmm. It would make me even angrier to feel like I have, I had a relative or I myself, you know, had died for something that turned out to be a sham. And quite frankly, we've had a couple recent conflicts where we've we felt like we were sold a bill of goods, mm-hmm. that people were sent in for reasons that were not upfront and were, quite frankly, maybe not what we would as soldiers have supported. But when you're a soldier, y- your job is to follow orders. Mm-hmm. You're doing that job and, and you just have to put your trust in that leadership. And I think I know, you know, that more than one of my family members and also friends went into the military and had long careers in the military, feeling very good about themselves and feeling very good patriotically about what they were fighting for, and left very bitter and upset about how it ended up. And almost all of them, maybe my parents, I don't want to speak too much for my parents, but right, right. Um, you know, almost all of them to some extent say, you know, things have changed. Things are different now than they were. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, it's so weird how... Even back in 1996, my feelings were mixed. I remembered that around that time having very mixed feelings about what was going on, but still giving the benefit of the doubt to our leaders saying, you know, there's things that we don't understand and don't know that maybe we don't know the reasons now, but hopefully later on we'll, we'll understand a little more clearly that this was just and this was right. And ever since then, it's, 
seems to have been many disappointments. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just me. I'm sorry. Of course we're getting political. We're doing a July 4th episode about Uncle Sam movies, so we're going to talk about I know, things. but, you know, I... I <laughs> so screw you if you don't like it. This, we're going to no, talk about no, it anyway. I, I want to be... I just want to be cautious because I do have so much respect for veterans and, um, you know, even I hang out in, in certain circumstances with people who are older than me, more like my parents or my grandparents' age. Um, And some of them are veterans who have very strong, positive views about um, the government and uh, the military and and very different political views and values than I have. And when those people bring up political topics or uh, make comments that I may not agree with philosophically i just let it go because like i'm not gonna argue with you sir yeah who fought for our country like like right. I, I i i i will have my own opinions and i will keep them to myself i i'm <laughs> i have too much respect to even argue many people don't understand that there is a definable line between supporting your government and supporting your soldiers You can support an effort even though you don't agree with it because you care about those people who are involved in that effort and you want them to be safe and you want them to come home. And again, there's also that part of you that wants to believe that whatever they're doing and whatever they're doing, sacrificing is not in vain. And so, you know, you can support the troops without necessarily agreeing with the cause and the reason they're out there. And it sounds weird, but I don't have a problem with that. I understand it fully. I don't know if it's just because of my background or what, um, but also it gets into pandering territory after a while. And I'm going to say this. I think I've said it once before on here. We were talking about something else, but I've asked my parents, you know, how do you feel? Because it seems to be more common than it was when I was a kid and I was hanging around military people all the time. It seems to be very common that as soon as you're within earshot, if somebody says, oh, yeah, I served in the military or whatever, the next word out of someone's mouth is thank you for your service. Going and getting like a military discount at the checkout counter, that employee will say thank you for your service. That is nice. And I don't doubt the intentions of the people who are, who are saying that. Uh, I hope they're give, putting some thought into what they're saying. However, I've asked my parents, how do you feel about that? And they've told me, you know, we appreciate it. But also, sometimes we don't feel it's genuine. We feel like it's an automatic thing, like have a nice day. Again, you don't want to like put someone down for saying something nice to you like that. But at the same time, when it's so flippant and so cavalier, like, oh, this is the automatic response I'm supposed to say, it doesn't really touch your heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I also think that uh, patriotism has been weaponized um, for political purposes. Uh, You know, if you don't agree with what your government is doing if you don't support not the troops but the you know the government's uh response to conflicts and those types of things then you're un-american and you know go somewhere else uh and and i think that that's a terrible thing to do i think it's a terrible thing to weaponize patriotism for political purposes well you know I hate that. I agree. So I think we're obviously we're both on the same page with this. This movie isn't going quite that direction, I think. This movie is, I think if you were to kind of get to the core of those messages that are being put across very ham-fistedly through here, it's more about war and violence. Yeah. Well, individual motivation more than like we're getting into 
political stuff. Right, because he, Jed uh, Hayes also tells Jody that his uncle was an angry kid, um, and and he says, I took him hunting once, and he scared me because I could tell that he liked killing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to, is that uh, Sam became a soldier not out of a sense of duty or patriotism, but because he liked to kill people. Yeah. Another thing that Jed says, I think it's one of the last things that he says, uh, and it struck me because I've heard this sentiment many times. Um, I used to teach a whole series of war novels, A Farewell to Arms, All Quiet on the Western Front, Catch-22, uh, The Red Badge of Courage. Like a, We did a whole semester of them, and this sentiment came up a lot of times. Jed says, you have to be crazy to kill in war, but then they send you home and tell you to never be crazy again. Yeah. That's actually pretty poignant in this pretty bad movie. It's a poignant case that deserves to be made in a better movie than this, for sure. And I think it has been. Oh, for you sure. Know, there, this has been explored. This this issue has been explored in, in great literature and I think in, in good films, too. Yeah. Well, by this point in the movie, if, this, if I had not been so entertained by the sheer inanity of what I'd been seeing so far like with the acting and the writing and the classroom that could not be more decorated for the 4th of July than it is, I would have been a little bored. It's like, it feels a little slow because yeah. the build is is pretty slow. It, that's a, at exactly this moment in my notes. I have 30 minutes in, get to it. Right. And then it does. <laughs> and then it like, right when it's really starting to drag, I'm like, come on. And then it, then right. here we go. Out like just out of the gate, boom! It still out of the gate. It's almost like this is what I love about Larry Cohen. It's like it was reading my mind. He's like, "All right, next on the docket, kids in a dark cemetery <laughs> painting swastikas on tombstones and burning the American flag and swinging it around over the yeah. open grave of our antagonist." <laughs> <laughs> All right, you see that, and you know shit's gonna go down. <laughs> yeah, but uh, explain this to me. Zombie Sam was always a zombie. Like, yes, I, I think I he arrived a zombie. I assumed that this burning of the flag was going to be, you know, what woke him up because it was such an insult to democracy. I feel like it—that's one interpretation. But we see him move before this happens. Does one he move, t- or is it just his panning- fingers move? They did move. Okay, okay. Yeah, I wasn't his sure fingers if they mo- moved. I, at least I thought so. That's how I remember it because I thought that was so weird. I because I had read like the the synopsis says a fallen soldier is reawakened when teenagers burn a flag over his grave, and I thought, well, that 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 tracks. You know, you know what? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> if I know if I know cause and effect. <laughs> <laughs> peacefully sleeping in there for the rest of eternity if that hadn't happened. Maybe. Shift around a little bit. What's amazing is that by this point, Sam has not gotten that coffin open. He's been at it like three or four times. Jody. Right, right, Uh, right. Jody, sorry. Unlatching. By this point, I think he has all the things unlatched, but for some reason I don't understand, he quit because he wanted to put the medals in there. He quit and he took the medals upstairs and put them back under his bed. Right. But when Sam wakes up, the first thing he does is climb upstairs very carefully to Jody's room, grab all of his medals, open up his shirt, 
pin them to his flesh. Yeah. Why did he do that? He was wearing his jet. He was wearing his uniform. I'm c- pretty convinced that a true diehard military guy would not have pinned his medals to where they don't belong. But you know, he's a zombie. Right. I don't they know. It was weird. It. Yeah. It was now weird. here's. It's not. It, it's for a purpose, and I understand the purpose. But the first victim is this creep who is in full yes. Uncle Sam garb, including oh. the stilts, like oh, like so these good. these fifteen foot tall stilts. These stilts and this, put him at like three stories high. Yeah, he it's enormous. I don't know if you watched through the credits. If you watch through the credits, yes. there's an outtake where he falls. It's really funny. He falls. And you see, <laughs> like the produ- the director or somebody like running into frame, like to check to make sure he's okay. Because it would be like falling off a damn house. He's like oh, way up in the air, dude. This was the scariest part of the movie for me. Seeing this guy <laughs> on these tall stilts, I was like, "What? There's no net, no wires. What the hell? This guy could fall. I mean, he's literally like two stories up." Yeah, because he's peeking in at this girl who's just got out of the shower or whatever and she does drop her towel you get a brief very brief nudity (laughs) she did that on the condition that she could keep one of the masks from the movie which i thought was (laughs) hilarious that's odd she's not even credited by the way oh that's funny she sees she sees him yells at him he runs away and he starts walking through the park and he's like hey Who's following me? <laughs> and, <laughs> and you see that it's Sam, and he's holding, I don't know, some some sort of weapon, a, a trout, like uh, gardening shears, I think. Big, tall Uncle Sam just keeps walking along until eventually he falls. And then evil, dead Uncle Sam um, comes around and stands over him and says, I hope you got an eyeful. <laughs> and pulls off his mask and kills him now a couple of things here first of all i love a quippy killer like love it (laughs) and this guy is quippy i thought he's gonna poke his eyes out but that's okay i did too it was kind of a weird choice that he didn't um Mm -hmm. it was also an interesting choice it it made me think of your frustrations with the funhouse i I guess this guy because he's locked into these stilts as this (laughs) zombie is approaching him he just lays there like he doesn't move at all he just lays there Uh, evil dead uncle sam kills him and then takes a minute to tailor his costume (laughs) well (laughs) seriously those legs are pretty long i mean you know if you're gonna put those pants on it'd be they'd be dragging behind him the whole show he he can't be tripping over himself he's got to cut him I don't know where he got the garden shears from, but, you know. Oh, by the way, before we before we move on, yeah. since we talked about the stunt guy, poor stunt guy who fell actually filming the scene, I looked this guy up. Mark Chadwick is his name. He deserves to be talked about because he's been in almost every movie you've ever seen. That name sounds familiar. 157 credits as a stuntman. We're talking like... The X-Men movies, Captain Marvel and stuff, uh, American Horror Story, The Revenant, Paranormal Activity, Anchorman, Iron Man, the Air Force One Speed. The list is massive, and it's pretty much everything you've ever seen. It's funny. Like, this guy's been stunting since uh, Passenger 57. Wow, very cool. Anyway, but he's not the guy you see when the mask gets taken off. That's another... Right, right, right. Yeah. But... Okay, so I get why they did it. From this point on until the very end, 
our villain is in this um, yeah. Uncle Sam costume. And I understand why they did it, because he does kill a couple more people. He kills a couple of teenagers, the, the teenagers who burn the flag. One of them he uh, pushes into a grave and then buries him alive, which makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. But fine. And another one he strings up strings on up. the flagpole. <laughs> on <the> flagpole. <laughs> which, as far as I know, nobody ever notices. Even though <laughs> right, the nobody. next day comes and goes. They don't know these kids are missing. <laughs> you know, they're raising the flags all over town, but I guess uh-huh. whoever's job it is to raise the flag at the cemetery is uh, was too busy or something. Right. And then the, the most of the rest of the movie takes place during the day, which, again, we talk about this before, that hardly ever happens. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's it's a nice change of pace to have these murders happening in right out in the open in broad daylight for most yeah. of the rest of the movie. And that's why he's got to be in that costume so that he can go around and interact with the people, which he does as though he's just really enjoying himself. Yeah, just like shaking hands. He's just schmoozing. <laughs> he's having a great time. That was so, so bizarre. The bad part about the fact that he's now in this costume, which is creepy in and of itself, is that his zombie makeup is fantastic. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it was a really expensive or complicated process and they just didn't want to do it all the time. Yeah, it was very disappointing. Cuz when he is when he's when he doesn't have that plastic Halloween mask on, he looks great. He reminded me very very much of the soldier at the end of House. Yeah. Oh, it looked exactly like him, really. And the close-ups on that makeup, which we got to thankfully see a lot of when he was in the coffin, are just, it's just impressive. Uh, but, you know, he, he can't be, because part of the gag of this is that uh, nobody knows he's a bad guy. You know, it's right. like he's gl- literally walking around in plain sight. At this festival that looks small but totally real, like, oh, yeah. I've been to that festival. <laughs> We've been there together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. And I, I thought, you know, like, it looks small. It looked fun, you know, small town. You don't, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities for things to do, you know, especially community things. It looked like a good time and everybody was having a good time and then Mm -hmm. there's just he starts killing people left and right (laughs) he kills he kills that commie bastard mr crandall first (laughs) (laughs) this part was so hilarious because of course i would say most of these kills you can see coming from a mile away which just adds to the fun (laughs) he's just wandering outside he's got these kids who he's trying to wrangle together for some i don't know they're all going to be in the parade or whatever and they're all dressed up in different costumes yeah it makes perfect sense that school is in session in the middle of july by the way oh god i didn't think of that you're absolutely right (laughs) that's a big problem maybe it's summer school okay maybe these are okay all right fair but he's like jimmy where's your hatchet (laughs) yeah where's the hatchet for your costume oh i don't know i must have left it in the classroom okay i'll go get it i was just like number one well we know what's happening next and number two this kid was gonna walk around with a real hatchet as part of his costume Uh (laughs) uh-huh oh man it's great. Anyway, four, <laughs> and, fourth, fourth yeah, of July real, parade. <laughs> yeah, real, real quick. The kills all happen very quickly, and yeah. you don't see a whole lot. But they are creative enough and fun enough that I'll give it a pass. the The special effects are just okay. They're not bad, um, no. but they're nothing to write home about either. Um, but still, the kills are fun enough that 
I, I let it go. Agreed. Like, a low enough budget is probably what it is, but not so low that it's just, like, all off screen and you see some blood splatter on the wall or something. Yeah. Right, right. <sighs> um, but then we meet a new character. Out of nowhere, we meet this new character who is a little blind, burned boy <laughs> in a wheelchair named Barry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Barry is my favorite character. And I want him to just be in lots of other movies, just unexplained and unrelated to this. As as Barry. (laughs) Just as Barry in a wheelchair with Blues Brothers sunglasses on, (laughs) no expression on his face. He's like, like, he's like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Like, he just sits there like, (laughs) oh, my God. It is so funny. Because he was burned up during last year's tragic fireworks accident. Which you have to infer. You have to infer because they never say it outright. They just constantly, like, make references to it. Like, oh, so we don't have another tragic event like last year. And the Mm. mom's like, we are going to Fourth of July so they can see what they did to you last year. And this poor kid's like, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, that's too bad because we're going. The mom is PJ Souls, by the way. God. Yeah, and, and Jody apparently is Barry's friend, um, and he goes up to him and tries to talk to him. Barry's really not having it. <laughs> and this is when this is when Sam is in the crowd shaking oh, hands, God. and um, re- real quick uh, they ask one of the teen boys who didn't get killed last night but was there. Um, he starts to sing the national anthem, and then totally makes a mockery of it and moons the crowd, which. Don't make a mockery of the national anthem. Like that yeah. that's just that's just rude. Yeah. So I knew he was dead for sure. Because right. like, you know, Uncle Sam is just standing there glaring at him. But then <laughs> close up. Close up on Barry. <laughs> and from screen right, uh, the white gloved hand just comes in and caresses his face. And he's like he's Barry's like, who is it? stay on close up I'm here to do what you want me to I'll make them all feel your pain even in darkness you can see me better than those with eyes you know me so Barry and Uncle Sam apparently have a psychic connection and Barry is also psychic in that he knows without being told that that is his friend Jody's Uncle Sam, who's dead. <laughs> right. Of course. There's another there's a there's a point later where shit goes down and Jody runs to Barry and Barry's like, Don't worry, he won't hurt us. And Jody's like, What are you talking about? He's like, It's it's your Uncle Sam. And Jody says, But he's dead. And Barry says, I didn't say he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh my god, oh. this berry stuff is <laughs> gold. I love it. But yeah, whatever. They kill a bunch of, he kills a bunch of other people. There's a weird moment, which, a weird moment that I don't understand where uh, evil Uncle Sam bumps into Jed, his veteran friend, yeah. and they stare into each other's eyes for a while, and Isaac Hayes says, I'm alright, I'm alright. And then Sam keeps on moving past him yeah i didn't get that either because it's not referenced again like it seemed like jed recognized him Mm -hmm. or something 
Either that or it was just very poor performance by Isaac Hayes, who isn't the world's greatest actor. No, he looked like he was baked out of his mind. (laughs) He did. He could barely keep his eyes open. I still loved it. Yeah, it was fun. That made it better. Well, I love that there's a girl, uh, she opens up the smoker, and Emilia was like, all right, that's going to come into play, and then puts some ribs down and hacks them up with a cleaver, and I'm like, that's going to come into play, which she leaves by the ribs and then goes off into down a trail into the woods, pulls out a couple uh, doobies, and then is stopped by Phil, the, the deputy or whatever, who grabs them, takes them in the pocket, and then she walks back and is like, oh, where's my cleaver? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Then, uh, Phil gets gets cleaved. There's a thrilling sack race. Yes, which is, I guess, I guess these guys are just going to race their sacks all the way through the woods and across town. I couldn't. I know. I, I have know. never seen anything like that before. It's usually like a 50 meter <laughs> kind of thing. It's not an obstacle course. No, but yeah, mo- the kid who was the dick about uh, the national anthem is like know. knocking all the other kids down as he's doing it. But then he himself trips up and rolls down the hill into an orange grove. As he's hopping through the orange grove, he sees Uncle Sam between two of the trees and makes some comment to him and hops along and there's Uncle Sam again right there between the next two trees and then hops along and then boom Uncle Sam is right there right in front of him so Uncle Sam's a bit supernatural as well apparently exactly like there are no you don't know what the rules are so there Mm-mm. just aren't any like yeah. do whatever you want and yeah. and I didn't care it was creepy um it was kind of a, it's a very low rent way of yeah low rent but a low rent way of making something spooky I mean they did the same thing uh in that movie hell 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 house LLC where it was all just practical things of just you know placing props and actors in the right place at the right time to create a spooky effect. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. I liked it. I did too. Then he beheads him and then pulls the cleaver up and licks the blood off of the knife. With his blue tongue. That was weird. Yeah. Again, there are no rules. I'm trying to get a bead on this guy. Well, he's a psychopath. That comes up. A couple of more people get killed. Uh, Sally, who's Jody's mom, finds her boyfriend, Ralph, dead. And then there's like an investigation, but they're like, well, uh, well the, the show must go on. By the way, Ralph Ralph is dresses Honest Abe, and he has been shot in the head. Shot in the head off screen. Yeah. Yeah. Har har. And then they once there's this one dead body, Louise and Sally sit Jody down. This is his mother and his aunt. Um, so Sam's wife and sister. And both of them tell, they're like, you idolize your Uncle Jody so much, we're afraid you're going to end up like him. And he's like, well, I want to be just like him. And they're like, no, he's bad. And he's like, no, he's not. You're a liar. The wife, Sam's wife, is like, we really need to tell him. And so Louise, the wife, basically says he beat me up all the time. And then the mom, (laughs) she doesn't say it outright, but it pretty much sounds like he used to rape her, right? Yeah, since she was like six years old. Yeah, so this guy is a bad guy. Now, the good news is Jody just takes this all on faith. Like, he's like, oh, oh, (laughs) sorry, never mind. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. And the, the mom says, he fought a war in our house all our lives and we were the losers oh my god oh i love this writing it's so terrible and i love uh. somebody says another body has been found then we see the barbecue girl the barbecue girl opens up her smoker and there's a decapitated head on it i don't even know whose head that was 
That was the head from the the sack sack race guy. The sack race guy. Yeah, okay. but I knew and that was she, gonna happen. She gets pushed down into the barbecue and killed. I guess because she smoked weed. Yeah, that was <laughs> or was going to smoke. That was weed? the one killing I thought was very unfair. She did not deserve to die. What else? What else? Oh, the congressman <laughs> who we haven't even mentioned. This douchey congressman had shown oh, up. Yeah. Well, the congressman is played by Robert Forster. Uh, I don't know who that is. I God, like I mean, maybe you only know him from his older version. I mean, he's been in everything, dude. I mean, he's all over TV, all over movies. He plays generals. He plays uh, guys. He's in The Descendants. He was in uh, so much stuff. He only died like a couple years ago. Oh, he was one of the. He was the lead in Alligator. Remember when we did Alligator? Yep. He was the lead. Yep. In that. Yep, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, he, I mean, he, he just pops up here to be a douche. Like, I don't even think he really interacts with anybody except for that guy Not who plays much. his assistant. He, he, his, his, his role took like 10 minutes to shoot. He represents big corrupt government. He gets uh, made an example of. He gets tied to a trellis, and then the, the <laughs> uh, ultimate fireworks display play of for the for the festival happens and like blows him up well <laughs> while the crowd is almost happy watching this yeah happen. they're smiling <laughs> and pointing um that was hilarious and then not only does he blow up with the fireworks which would have killed him but then they there's a huge explosion um that kills well it it, it tosses the young cop who was dating Sam's wife, tosses him down a hill at the bottom of which is waiting Uncle Sam with a flagpole that the cop then gets impaled on. Love it. Yep. Now there's chaos and everybody's running around. This is when um, Jody runs and and gets his friend in the wheelchair and then Jed (laughs) ends up with them. And there's some funny Isaac Hayes dialogue there. Oh, dude. Look, I'm too old for this crap. Cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, I must have been sick of writing stuff down because I just have funny Isaac Hayes dialogue. Um, (laughs) But they go to check the coffin because Barry tells them it's it's Sam, but they want to be sure. So they go and they check the coffin. The, The pervy sergeant is in there. Yep. And then Barry, out of nowhere, the mom comes home. Barry, out of nowhere, goes, I know where I'd go if I was him. I'd go get my wife back. (laughs) (laughs) So then Jed goes off to find Sam. He's immediately followed by the boys. They end up at uh, Louise's house. And finally, an unmasked... he, he He takes the mask off, so we get to see the really good... Makeup, makeup again yeah and he confronts jed and he says you made me do this and jed says you never fought for your country you just loved killing you're nothing so just die <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, so, but then he gets thrown through the room partition but he's fine he yep. jumps right up no problems so he's like the guy can't be killed uh jed says and Jody says, go get your cannon. And so Jed says, okay. And he runs out. Jed has time to leave, go to the school, strap up the cannon to his truck and drive it back to their house while Jody is confronting his uncle. Yeah. I know. And it's so stupid. Like Like the zombie uncle is like talking to the boy, do you still love me? And... Uh, oh, no, he's talking to his wife. Do you still love me? And she shoots him. But then Sam says to Jody, I came back for you. And Jody's like, I want to be like you. And 
Sam's like, well, you'll have to be dead first. <laughs> it's so weird. But then uh, outside the house, Jed is setting up the literal cannon. Literal cannon. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Civil War cannon. Right. Which he shot once earlier, right? He did, to, like, start the festivities, right? So Jody, Jody and Sam, Sam come out of the house together, and Jed says, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Shoot it with uh, with Jody up there, and Barry, expressionless as always, says, "He'll move. Just do it." <laughs> <laughs> and so he lights the cannon, and as the wick is running down, Jody is saying to the zombie, "I'm going back with you. We belong together." But then he immediately runs off into the <laughs> yard and and like hits the dirt, and Jed blows Sam up with the cannon. He shoots him, and it, like, explodes, and there's fire everywhere. It explodes, and there's fire. It's just a cannonball, but It's just a cannonball. It explodes. There's fire all over his house. Yes. And then Sam is engulfed in flames, but is still coming. And That was badass. I, I know. You know, it's not like I've never seen this effect before. I've seen it many times, but I'm always impressed with it um, mm-hmm. because I know that it's not easy. I know that it's dangerous. And when it's done right, it just looks great. So here he is completely engulfed in flames, still coming. And Jed is like, he lights the cannon again, <laughs> but the fuse is like 12 inches long. And they're just waiting. Like, it's this suspenseful moment where this flaming zombie is getting closer and closer to the kid, and you're watching the fuse go down, and finally it goes off. And again, this looks amazing. I don't know how they did it. This is a fantastic stunt. Fantastic. The the guy on fire gets blasted back into the house, and which then explodes three times. Cannons don't cannonballs don't explode. Not these kinds of cannonballs anyway. Oh my god, that was hilarious. Maybe it maybe it hit the gas tank. I don't know. That the must house explodes be the, three times. It was probably a bottle of wine on the on the dining room table and that's Yeah, I'm, that must be it too. Yeah. And then presumably the next day, Jody is standing out in his backyard. Somebody else's backyard, I suppose. <laughs> I, I thought his mom, oh yeah, I guess, because that was his house. But he's burning all of his war toys. But then he turns around, and it kind of freeze frames on his face, and the, there's a weird music cue. And so my reading of that was, okay, he's burning all of his weird toys, but he's still a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally the vibe I got. Which, I so. honestly, I thought... Eh. That leaves it open for a sequel. Good call. Sequel never materialized. They talked about it right after this. It would have been interesting, that's for sure. I I, I think I would Jack watch Frost it. Jack Frost got a sequel, huh? Yeah. Oh, I would totally watch it, as long as all the same people were involved. Yeah, like, this is a bad movie, and I was, on, I was a little worried those first 35 minutes are a little slow. Not that I hated it. And not that I didn't think that I had promise, but I'm like, come on, I'm looking at my watch. And then from that point on, it was just a roller coaster of fun. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it is certainly 100% schlocky, but it is just draped from 
floor to ceiling in Fourth of July. Yeah, um, and that part of it is fun. It's a movie that knows it's schlocky, and that's a absolutely. You know, there's a fine line. Sometimes that is really tedious, uh, but in this case, it, it was fun. I, I kind of liken it in a way. I don't think you enjoyed Jack Frost as much as I did. It was okay, but uh, I kind of put it in the same category oddly enough considering their cover art looks so similar the two movies have no relation to each other but it just has that same vibe of like i know i'm schlocky and we're just gonna run with it and it's still gonna work because it's still gonna be fun mm-hmm. and to have those names involved and the, the acting so bad it was acting that you would expect from this kind of movie. It, it reminded, it was, it gave me similar vibes, even though totally different movies. But to something like Critters, yeah, where the char- the characters are just a little bit heightened. You know, it's just a little bit outside of realism. Yeah. But you know, the same kind of small town vibe, and the house blows up at the end. See, look, all kinds of connections. But that's the that's the vibe it gave me, and I like that movie too. And it's silly too. It's that yeah. kind of movie. I'll watch anything Larry Cohen writes. It's all over the map. It's usually highly entertaining, not always good, right? But good in the sense that a good movie is a movie that keeps me glued to the screen and interested in what's going on. And uh, he almost always succeeds, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, he did here with me. I uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I did uh, honestly like when I. When it was over, I had a big smile on my face. I was really looking forward to talking about it with you because I had a really strong feeling that you would uh, enjoy it in a similar way. So uh, I'm glad we did it, and uh, happy uh, 4th of July. Yep, happy Independence Day to you too, Craig. Well, thank you again for listening with us. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. You can find us online just by Googling Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. Hopefully you come across our Twitter feed, our brand new Instagram account, and uh, our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to us on any one of those places. Leave comments for us. Let us know what you thought of this episode and what episodes you'd like us to uh, do in the future. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast with a very vibrant little community there behind the scenes chatting about movies and deciding what movies we're going to do next. Please consider joining that by going to that address. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.